dear friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to PQ&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is a show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Ricardo, minister to the Prospect International and Elizabeth Seventh-day Adventist Churches here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And I am thankful that God allows us to share His Word with you today. Whether you're at home or driving in your car, back from work or studies, I do pray that you'll be blessed by today's show. This week we're following the theme, Five Biblical Roads All Christians Travel. And the big question for today is, the Emmaus Road, is discouragement normal? To help us with this question, I have my friend, Pastor Marty, with us in the studio. He is the pastor of Grace Adventist Center and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome, Marty. Pastor Ricardo, it's great to be here together. How are you today? Yeah, very, very well. Um, you know, it's just been a beautiful day. And this is a great subject that we're looking at today, the, the subject of discouragement. And of course, uh, I think we can all relate to this topic in the Bible, of course, gives us some incredible counsel on this subject. Definitely. And I'm sure that we'll find a lot of things that God has given us to encourage us when we are discouraged. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The Bible is full of encouragement and uh and stories that we can easily relate to. Yeah. I uh, can't wait to hear some of them then. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, friends. Uh, for today, World Watch segment, I have an article from the Associated Press, which is an independent global news organization just dedicated to factual reporting. And um, the title of this article, which was um, issued on October 29th this year, is Mass Graves, Unclaimed Bodies and Overcrowded Cemeteries. The war robs Gaza of funeral rites. Um, I'm sure you're all acquainted with what's with uh, what's happening in the Middle East, and this article is going to show us um, what war is like from the perspective of of a, a civil a civil person, um, a journalist from Gaza. This is from the Gaza Strip, and it says. It was neither the place nor the time for a proper goodbye, said Omar Dirawi. Not here, in this dusty field strewn with dead people, wrapped in blankets and sipped up in body bags. And not now, as Israeli, uh, Israeli airstrikes crashed around him for the third week, erasing more of his neighborhood and sundering hundreds of families and friendships. Yet on this October week, in Gaza's central town of Zawaide, the, 20-year-old, the 22-year-old Palestinian photojournalist buried 32 members of his family who were killed in Israeli, Israeli air raids last Sunday. The Rawi's aunts, uncles and cousins from Gaza City had heeded Israeli uh, military evacuation orders and taken refuge in his home farther south. Days later, Dirawi was unloading their bodies from the back of a truck, digging a narrow trench partitioned with cinder blocks and reciting abbreviated funeral prayers before nightfall when Israeli 
um, or Israelite, uh, sorry, um, warplanes screeched and everyone ran indoors. There's nothing that feels right about this, Dira, we said, of the mass burial. I haven't even grieved, but I had no choice. The cemetery was full and there was no space. Palestinians say this war is robbing them not only of their loved ones, but also of the funeral rites that long have offered mourners some dignity and closure in the midst of unbearable grief. Israelized strikes have killed so many people so quickly that they've overwhelmed hospitals and morgues, making the normal rituals of death all but impossible. And along with everything else stolen by the bombardments, Palestinians on Saturday added another loss, cellular and internet service. A few in Gaza who managed to communicate with the outside world said people could no longer call ambulances or find out if loved ones living in different buildings were still alive. Uh, an estimated 1,700 people remained trapped beneath the rubble as Israel's, Israel's air raids impede and imperil civil defense workers, one of whom was killed during a rescue mission Friday. Sometimes it takes days for medics to recover bodies. By then, corpses are often too swollen or disfigured to be recognizable. I'm just, this is unimaginable when I read this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we often think of wars as two countries fighting against each other. But think of all the people, the innocent people. They have nothing to do with this. They have no say in this they don't even they're not even maybe interested in fighting yet they are suffering and and having all these losses um, overcrowded cemeteries have compelled families to dig up long buried bodies and deepen the holes that's how survivors buried Bilal al Aur a professor at Gaza's Al-Aqsa University and 25 of his family members killed on Friday in airstrikes that raised their four-story home in Deir al-Bala. Al-Ohur's brother, Nour, exhumed his family's old old plots in the local cemetery on Friday to place the newly deceased inside. His hands dark with grave dirt, he became breathless, listing each relative being lowered into the ground. He said, and this this touched touched me here. He said, um, "There's there's Bilal's son with his wife, pointing at the hole, and children, his other younger son, and of course his daughter, who finished high school last year and was supposed to be a doctor." Overflowing morgues have compelled hospitals to bury people before their relatives can claim them. The nightmare of ending up as an anonymous body piled up in a morgue or or chucked into the dirt has increasingly haunted Palestinians in Gaza. To increase the chances of being identified if they die, Palestinian families have begun wearing identification bracelets and scrolling names with marker on their children's arms and legs. In some cases, bodies have decomposed so much that they are unrecognizable even to their kin. In other cases, not a single family member may survive to claim the dead. We have no time to do anything and no space anywhere, said 52-year-old Khalid Abdu from the camp. 
All we can do is dig a big hole with our hands. Then we throw bodies inside. When trying to sleep, Abdu said he hears sounds from that night. The thunder of the blast mixing with screams of shock and the cries of children. But what keeps him up most, he said, is the thought that no one washed the bodies of the dead or changed their clothes before burial. No one lovingly shrouded their bodies as it as as is customary in Islam, or held a point uh, a proper service, uh, and certainly no one served the traditional bitter coffee and sweet dates to friends and relatives paying condolences. In Islam, we have three days of mourning, but there's no way you can observe that now. Abdu said, "Before the morning ends, you'll probably be dead as well." And the article goes on, but ah. Uh, when I think of all those children and, and parents, you know, not knowing if they will be alive the next day, the next hour, even when they were told to go to the, towards the south to 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 um, a safe place, they, they they were still killed, you know. And uh, the question is, who wins when there is war? Yeah, that that was the thought going through my mind, Pastor Ricardo. That. Really, there is no, there's no winners in this. This is, it's just a tragedy and it's just so heartbreaking to see, you know, the, the precious lives of people, um, being destroyed so, so rapidly. And, um, you know, this is just, you know, this, these, these experiences remind me that, um, this world is not our final home. You know, we get the sense that um, Jesus has to come because if he doesn't, uh, this world will just continue to basically get to the point where it will self-destruct. Exactly And, um, yeah, it's this is obviously a conflict that's been going on for, um, you know, some 70 years or so uh, since it was uh, at least since 1947, I believe, was when the first, um, Israeli and, you know, Palestinian cause conflict, Arab conflict really, really erupted. And, and of course, the conflict has gone on for centuries and millennia even before mm. that. But, um, you know, this, this is the sad state of humanity. And I think an article like that is, is very confronting because it, it shows how, how personal these, these issues are when there's relatives, there's children, you know, involved. Yes. Um, people are burying their own relatives and, um, you know, so part of, yeah, for me, I just, it makes me really long for that day when Jesus will come. Praise, praise God for that. Yes, we're all waiting for, for that moment. Indeed, if, if, if Jesus were not to come, uh, we would definitely destroy each other. We would kill each other or we would run out of resources. And we would starve to death. We would definitely uh, have no hope. But we do have a hope, and that is the second coming of Jesus. His intervention will put an end to all of his suffering. Jesus knew that these things were going to happen before his second coming, and he actually mentioned them. Uh, many places in the Bible, especially Matthew 24, we know that these are things that uh, we are to be expected. 
And finally, the sign of his second coming is that the gospel will be preached everywhere in the world and then the end will come. And we can't wait. Absolutely. We can't wait to see yeah. him come and put an end to all of this. Uh, dear friends who are listening, um, we hope that you enjoy the show today. If you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to text us in to um, 4 808 11 with your questions or comments. That is 4 808 11 Let's come to some music now, and uh, we're going to listen to Catherine Scott, and the song is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When I survey the wondrous cross
And that was Catherine Scott with When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Our giveaway for this week, dear listeners, is the book The Marked Bible by Charles Taylor. And you can get a free copy of this book if you text us the code SA142. That is one word, SA for South Australia, 142, no spaces. Text that in uh, to 04888. 808-11, The Marked Bible by Charles Taylor. When Harold Wilson found the Bible hidden away in his sailor's chest, he flung the book over the ship's railing and into the sea. Harold would have nothing to do with Bible, uh, with the Bible his mother had so lovingly marked in hopes that he would read its pages and turn from his life of crime and vice. But like Jonah, the runaway prophet, Harold couldn't run away from God, no matter how hard he tried. The classic story of a mother's love, a rebellious son, and the transforming power of God's word. With the drama of a trans-Pacific ocean voyage as a backdrop, the marked Bible takes center stage in the lives of Harold and his traveling companions as a strange preacher begins to reveal a forgotten truth from its pages. The entire ship is in an uproar. And soon lives will be changed forever. This is an electrifying story of what can happen when sincere hearts pursue God's truth, no matter the cost. So, dear friends, if you would like a free copy of this book, just text the code SA142 to 04888-808-11. And, of course, you can also text that number with your um, comments or if you just want to say hi, just Anything that you'd like to share with us, please text us on that number. That's 04888-808-11. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A right across Australia with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor Marty, and he's the pastor of Grace Adventist Center and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week, as we mentioned before, we're following the theme, Five Biblical Roads All Christians Travel. So we're looking at five different roads mentioned in the Bible, and we're getting a lot of insight and lessons from those stories. And the big question for today is, the Emmaus Road, is discouragement normal? So Pastor Marty, is discouragement normal? Is it actually unchristian to be discouraged? Pastor Ricardo, if it was unchristian, then um, then there wouldn't be any hope for any of us. <laughs> you know, the reality is w- discouragement is something that happens even to the strongest of Christians, uh, even to the spiritual giants. You know, as you look in the Bible, you come to the story as an interesting story of Elijah the prophet. And in First Kings chapter 19, mm. it describes that after Elijah has had this incredible experience on Mount Carmel, where mm. fire has come down from God out of heaven, it has, um, the people have declared the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he mm. is God. And yet, Elijah, in the following chapter, immediately following this experience, the Bible tells us that um, Jezebel, who was the, the king's wife, King Ahab's wife, sent a message to say that she was going to put an end to Elijah's life. And in verse 3, chapter 19, verse 3, 
Um, the Bible says, and when Elijah saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Wow, and that's right after he saw fire coming down from heaven. This is after literally a mountaintop experience mm-hmm. with God, with seeing the power of God, with seeing miraculous signs and evidence of God's presence with him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is at the end of a, a three-and-a-half-year drought. But Elijah still runs for his life. He feels mm-hmm. utterly discouraged. Why does he feel discouraged? Because he had... Perhaps he had hoped that this incredible experience would bring about a great and rapid revival all across Mm -hmm. Israel. But his hopes didn't come to pass in the way that he wanted them to. Mm -hmm. And as a result, discouragement sets in and now he flees for his life. Amazing. If the big heroes of the Bible can feel discouragement, then that gives us hope, I think. <laughs> well, it, it shows how frail we are as human beings. I mean, there's another story of John the Baptist. And, and, um, I'm sure, you know, our listeners, you, you would recall that in the Bible, Jesus said that there was no greater man that's been born of a woman than John mm-hmm. the Baptist. Right. And so Jesus, speaks incredibly highly of John the Baptist. And yet, in the book of Luke, we have an account where John the Baptist, he's in, he's in a dungeon. He's, he's, um, he's been taken out of his active ministry. He's been closed away in this dark prison Almost cell. Almost at the end of the race, he starts yeah, he's, asking questions. He's coming to the end of his life. And it's interesting that he has his disciples go to Jesus and say, are you the coming one or should we look for another? And so here the spiritual giant, John the Baptist, the one who who was the forerunner to Jesus, who prepared the way for Jesus, even he fell into discouragement. Now, one author that I read, which I think is quite fascinating, said that the reason John the Baptist fell into this state of discouragement was because of the seeds of doubt planted into his mind by his own disciples. Wow. Which is fascinating. So we have to be careful with the words that we speak. Mm, they words certainly have influence. influence. That words react upon ourselves, words react upon others. Mm-hmm. And um and so here we once again see that uh even spiritual giants faced the issue of mm-hmm. discouragement. And Pastor Ricardo, I might I think we could even go as far as saying that even Jesus himself faced discouragement. Mm-hmm. Because in Matthew chapter twenty six we read of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. And the Bible tells us that um, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. This is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mm -hmm. So even 
the Son of God experienced deep distress, deep sorrow to mm. the point of, of death. The, the Evid- idea, oh yeah, you know, the idea of going to the cross, the idea of being separated from the Father was such a, such a difficult task that we cannot even comprehend mm. that mm. Jesus also experienced um, discouragement, but, yes. but Jesus ultimately, ultimately he surrendered everything into God's hands. Because mm. he perfectly um, knew what death by crucifixion was all about. He did. He did. And he, he, he was beginning to experience the weight of sin on his shoulders. On top of that. And so, you know, this was, this, this shows us, Pastor Ricardo, very clearly that discouragement is actually part of life. Part you know, of human nature. It's part of our human nature. Mm. It's what we do with it that really makes the difference. When we experience discouragement, who do we turn to? When we mm. experience discouragement, how do we respond? Mm-hmm. Are there some true, are there some principles in the Bible that would help us to, to deal with discouragement? Are there ways to help prevent us falling into discouragement? And how does discouragement really impact us? I want to, want to unpack this by, um, going to our question, our specific question for today, which deals with the road to Emmaus. Is discouragement normal? And so the road to Emmaus is actually found, this story is, is uniquely found in the, in the book of Luke. It's found in Luke chapter 20. Four. There is a there is a brief reference to this at the end of Mark's gospel account, Mark chapter sixteen. But you really only get the story in Luke chapter twenty four, mm-hmm. and um, we're going to unpack a little bit of this story and 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 um, and gain some principles from from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, "Now behold." Two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, to give some context, Jesus has died on Friday. He is rested on the tomb on the Sabbath, and now it is Sunday. It's the it's the third day. The the Jews counted part of a day as a day, and so this is the third day. This is the Sunday. And two disciples of Jesus are walking together on this road called Emmaus. And the Bible says in verse 14, And they talked together of all these things that had, which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? See, they were discouraged. Mm -hmm. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And 
certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. You know, it's fascinating how discouragement impacts us. One of the things that, um, you know, that, that really stands out to me as I look at this story is, is how in their discouraged state, Jesus was right there with them and yet they did not recognize him. And I wonder, Pastor Ricardo, if when we experience discouragement, somehow this, this prevents us mm-hmm. from recognizing God's presence in our lives. True. We focus on the problems, on the situation. Plus, I think discouragement is contagious. These these two travelers were uh, being contagious to one another with discouragement. <laughs> yeah, there's a saying: attitudes are contagious. Mm. And um, is yours worth catching? <laughs> and certainly, yeah. I agree with that. Mm. You know, as they converse, mm-hmm. they seem to be honing in on the negative aspects. And of course, I mean, how could we blame them? If we were in their situation, we would have done the exact same thing because this was just totally different to their expectations. And I think this is one of the keys to understand what is it actually that causes discouragement. Mm -hmm. You see, discouragement comes when our hopes fail. Mm -hmm. Discouragement comes when our expectations don't come to pass. Discouragement comes when what we believe turns out to be incorrect. Mm -hmm. Discouragement comes when doubts cloud our mind. And discouragement comes when fear grips our hearts. And we see all of these elements coming together here. Mm -hmm. You see, the disciples had this belief that the Messiah would come, restore Israel, establish an earthly kingdom. Wow, all their hopes were were placed on that person, on Jesus. They were that you know they they believed mm. that that Jesus would come and give earthly mm. prosperity and worldly prosperity to Israel. And Pastor Ricardo, the reality is when our beliefs don't align with Scripture, we're setting ourselves up for discouragement. Yes, Makes when sense. you believe something that is not anchored in the Word of God eventually that belief is going to become unraveled mm-hmm. and you'll have no nothing to stand on. And so this is why it's so vitally important to, to always test our, and our beliefs by the word of God. You see, if I believe, you know, if I have this, this idea that many Christians have today, it's very similar to those of the ancient Jews, that they believe that, that Jesus... Jesus is really going to establish a, an, another earthly kingdom that he's going to bless with worldly prosperity if I follow him. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of mentality. If I follow the Lord, he will bless me. He'll take care of me. Everything will be great. Everything will be fine. And yet that is, that is certainly not what the Bible says. Jesus says that um, in the world you're going to have tribulation. Yes. He says, if you follow me, the world won't love you. Mm-hmm. The world loves its own, but it doesn't love you because you're not of the world. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes if our belief is out of harmony with the word of God, it can lead to discouragement. I've met many Christians who after they've begun to do Bible study, they be- it's, it's like they there's a part of them that feels really unsettled because sometimes they've held onto these long-held cherished beliefs. Mm-hmm. They could be, um, you know, traditional beliefs that have been passed down from generation to generation. And 
when they realize that these beliefs are not actually in the Bible, for some, for many people, they become incredibly unsettled. They start to doubt their entire Christian experience, some of them. Some of them become angry with those who have taught them incorrectly. Yes. And there's all of these kinds of emotions that take place. But in reality, all of us have some things in our, in our minds that are not correct. That's right. And all of us go through this process of learning mm-hmm. truth and unlearning error. Mm-hmm. There's a saying, we have much to learn and much to unlearn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is a process that all of us have to go through. So it sounds like attitude has a lot to do with how to manage discouragement. I believe so. If you, yeah, if we recognize that God is ultimately working in our lives, even if that means that what we believed in or what we hoped for or what we expected didn't come to pass, Mm -hmm. that we actually remember that promise of the Word of God where God says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. How often do we make plans and we want them to be fulfilled and they don't end up being fulfilled and we can become discouraged. Mm-hmm. We can maybe think we're, we, we are a failure or, or whatever other ideas enter into our minds that, that lead us to a negative yes. place. But when we recognize that God is actually using some of our failures, using some of our shortfalls actually to grow us, actually to mold us and shape us in his way, then we can approach these difficulties and these dashed hopes, these unmet expectations, we can approach them very differently. Differently, that's that's the thing. So it's so important to have that relationship with God daily because uh, there will be times when we will not understand what's going on. Even when we've had a relationship with God, things do not turn out the way we were expecting. Um, Speaking as a pastor, I may have plans for the church and I do everything I can to, you know, see some results and then I see something different. I go like, what's happening here, Lord? Am I doing something wrong? Am I, you know, mistaken? What have I done? And that's the times, that's the, that these are the times when we need to go back to God and say, okay, even though I don't understand, I trust you. I still trust you. I know you're in control. Yeah. Eventually I'll understand or Show me what's, you know, what's happening. Absolutely. And, and I, I believe, Pastor Ricardo, that God takes us on this journey of developing that kind of a trust. Mm. And sometimes, you know, as I, as I experience in my own life, when something begins to really stress me, I recognize I'm, I'm not, I'm not trusting God mm. because I'm stressing, I'm worrying, I'm concerned. Mm. And I'm not allowing God to be the one in control. I'm trying to take hold of it. And that's often for me a bit of a symptom where I'm, you know, where I'm not, uh, not necessarily putting my trust in the Lord. Discouragement affects us so that even for the, for these men, for these disciples, even when they're present, they are in the presence of Jesus, they cannot recognize him. Mm-hmm. They are blind to his presence in their midst. Mm. This is how discouragement affects us. You know, there's a, there's a poem that I absolutely love, and it's called Footprints. And the story goes that, um, that a man has this, a, a dream of sorts. And in the dream, he's walking with, with Jesus along the sand. 
And as he turns back, he looks at the footprints along the beach, along the sand, and the footprints represent the journey of his life along this along this shoreline. And as he looks back, he, he recognizes that at some of the most difficult times of his life, there is only one set of footprints. And he turns to the Lord and he says, Lord, why is it that at the most difficult times of my life, you left me, you abandoned me? And Jesus simply turned to to this uh, to his dear follower, this, his dear child, and he says, "My my dear friend, it was in those times that I carried you." Amazing, and I love that because it shows so clearly mm. that whilst we, in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, when relationships have broken apart, when we've lost. A job when we've lost our health, when something, a tragedy has taken place in our lives, it can seem as if God is so far away. Now, I can't imagine what the people in Palestine would be feeling right now. Some of them would perhaps even be Christians. Yes. And, um, and I'm what, and you can't, can only just, cannot even begin to imagine how difficult that must be right now. And yet God promises that even in the midst of this tragedy and this sorrow of this broken and sinful world, he says, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake Mm. you. I'm still there. And friends, if you're listening today and you are experiencing discouragement, you're experiencing trials, you've gone through a separation, you're, you're facing financial uncertainty, you, um, have, you, your your job is on the line. Perhaps your health. You've received some 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 bad news about your health. It is easy for discouragement to set in. Perhaps the goals and the dreams that you hope to achieve seem to just mm-hmm. be coming to nothing, and you're wondering what is what what have I really accomplished in life? Mm. The good news is, no matter how distant from God we may feel. God promises that he is always there. He is, you know, there's a beautiful quote, Pastor Ricardo, where it says, God whispers to us in our pleasure, Mm -hmm. but he screams to us in our pain. That's wonderful. And another is that the darker the night, the brighter the stars. You know, when we are in the midst of that difficulty, when we are, when we are, brought to our utmost extremes and we feel like there's nothing more we can do in our extremity is God's opportunity to make a difference in our lives. And so when you go through a period of disappointment, recognize that just around the corner, if you keep holding on to God, God is going to do something good. God's going to bring something good out of the ashes of this world. And God always keeps his promises. It is the Bible that um, tells us that we should uh, cast all our burdens, uh, anxiety upon the Lord because he cares. Now, uh, the Bible could have said uh, something like, uh, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he's powerful, which is true. But uh, Peter chose the word because, uh, you know, because he cares. So uh, God actually cares if we feel discouraged even if we are going through a um, minor problem or situation. He cares for that as well. 
which is very reassuring. Absolutely. Yeah, God cares. He he loves us. Um and you know, when when you think of that idea of God loving us, I mean, as a parent, when you see your child in pain, um it 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 hurts you. You you feel that pain. You wish that you were the one who had you know, fallen, scraped your knee or, or whatever else. Um, you, you wish that, that that was you. Yes, and God is like so that. True. And that's why God, you know, God identifies with us. Whatever mm. discouragement uh, we may be facing, God is there. And God promises that he is able to bring appointments out of our disappointments. He can mm. bring beauty out of ashes. He can actually bring good out of the most seemingly um, terrible situations. That is the good news of God's Word. What a God. And that's a good point to uh, take a break now and listen to some music. Uh, this is Jacqueline Jules, uh, sorry, Jacqueline Jewell with Peace, Peace. As I recall the Savior's love and how he died for me, I look back at what I've done, ashamed of what I see. The Father then takes my hand, says I will give you rest. I am the way, the truth, the life, come to me and you'll be blessed. I'll give you peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming Forgive me, Lord, for I 
Jacqueline Jewell with Peace, Peace. Our giveaway for this week is the book The Marked Bible by Charles Taylor. If you, the listeners, want a free copy of this book, all you need to do is text in the code SA142 to 04888808811. I'll repeat the code, no spaces. It's SA for South Australia, 142. Text that in to 04888808811 and a free copy of that book will be on its way to you. And of course you can, as I mentioned before, you can use this number to text us any questions, any comments that you would like. In fact, we would love to hear from you and get back to you as well. So please use that number. You may even save it on your phone as drive time. It's 04888808811. And the Marked Bible, written by Charles Taylor, is a story about Harold Wilson. Um, when Harold found a Bible hidden away in his sailor's chest, he flung the book over the ship's railing and into the sea. Harold would have nothing to do with the Bible his mother had so lovingly marked in hopes that he would read its pages and turn from his life of crime and vice. But like Jonah, the runaway prophet, Harold couldn't run from God, no matter how hard he tried. Um, if you've identified with this story, maybe you would like to read this book or give it to someone else as well. The classic story of a mother's love, a rebellious son, and the transforming power of God's word. With the drama of a trans-Pacific ocean voyage as a backdrop, the marked Bible takes center stage in the lives of Harold and his traveling companions as a strange preacher begins to reveal a forgotten truth from its pages. The entire ship is in an uproar, and soon lives will be changed forever. An electrifying story of what can happen when sincere hearts pursue God's truth no matter the cost. Please text us in 04888808811. The code is SA142. You'll get a free copy of this book. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor Marty, and he's ministering at Grace Adventist Center and the Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're following the theme, Five Biblical Roads All Christians Travel. And the big question for today is, the Emmaus Road, is discouragement normal? So, Pastor Marty, we were talking about discouragement it was so reassuring uh, to know that God cares for anything that happens to us. You mentioned about being a parent, and that resonated with me because when I first became a parent, I started to see an aspect of God that I did not catch before. And I started to wonder, is this how God actually cares for me? Because I, I, I would care for everything that happened to my my daughter, she was the first one, and then my son. And so if God identifies himself as my father, then I feel secured because I know how parents uh, do care for, for their children. So that is uh, reassuring. So um, when someone feels discouraged, uh, Pastor Marty, what can we do? 
There's, yeah, there's some practical lessons that come from this remarkable story in, in Luke chapter 24, which records the walk to Emmaus mm-hmm. and, or this road rather to Emmaus. And before I jump into, I want to look at it. I want to look at a couple of practical points in just a moment. How do we actually deal with discouragement? How can we potentially help to prevent it? But in, when we're in the midst of discouragement, what can we do to strengthen our faith and rise above discouragement? But before that, we also need to recognize another symptom of discouragement. When you read the story and you look at the dialogue that happens between Jesus and these two disciples, mm-hmm. you notice that the disciples, three there's this three times they begin by speaking to Jesus about something positive, but they always end on the negative. Interesting. You know, it's interesting. You notice, for example, they, they say, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. So that's positive. And then how the chief priests and their own rulers delivered him to be crucif- condemned to death and crucified him. Negative. Mm-hmm. Finish on the negative. Second time, verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Positive. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Mm-hmm. Negative. They go back to the same negative feeling. Then he says, you know, um, certain women uh, and those who were with us went to the tomb and found it. Um, found that his body wasn't there. They said they saw a vision of angels. Others went and saw the tomb, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They start with the positive, but they always finish on the negative. And this is what discouragement does. It leads us to emphasize the negative aspects of life. Mm -hmm. We seem to be incapable of actually seeing the positive, and emphasizing the positive. And this is kind of similar to depression, I suppose. And, um, you know, th- when we, when we, if you've experienced depression, and many people do, um, depression is, is a, I mean, it's, it's a huge issue. It's growing exponentially in our world today. Um, mental health, anxiety, depression. And, um, when you are feeling depressed, it, we magnify the negative aspects of life in our minds. And, um, and how do we undo this? How do we actually, you know, get out of this? There are some times where there is actually a chemical imbalance in our minds. True. And, and I don't want to just overly spiritualize this and say, just pray about it because that's not often very helpful. Correct. Sometimes there is a, ver- there is a need to go and talk to, to a Christian counselor or someone who's mm-hmm. a professional. Mm-hmm. Who can help? There's, there's, that is not a denial of faith. Mm. To do that is not a denial of faith. But what I recognize happening here, even one of the little strategies that I've heard Dr. Neil Nedley talk about, Dr. Neil Nedley is a world expert in depression recovery, and he, he gives this challenge where he says, for the next week, don't say anything negative. Mm. Now, that's not, he's not saying for the rest of your life, but he's just saying as an experiment, just for one yes. week, try not to say anything negative. Mm-hmm. And so often you catch yourself and you go, oh, I was being, right. uh, you know, it's so easy for even us. Even for a day. Even for a day. <laughs> it's so easy for us to, uh. to, to mention negative things. And so it's important to recognize that that's a symptom. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting to me where Jesus points them. 
when Jesus in this story, and I know we're running short on time, so I want to just dot point a few final points here. But as you go through the story, after they explain their discouragement to Jesus, he points them to the Word of God. The Bible says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow. Pointed them to the scriptures. He pointed them to the scriptures. To himself. The scriptures have power. Mm -hmm. You cannot open the word of God and experience God's word speaking to you without it having so he did not put them down and told them something like oh you're so negative he listened to them and then he uplifted them he did yes he he pointed them to to the source of truth he pointed them to to the source of of hope. And the Bible in, in Romans chapter 15 and, uh, and verse 4, I'm just going to quickly go there in my Bible. Romans 15 and verse 4 tells us, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patient, patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15 verse 4. The scriptures give us hope. The other thing I think that stands out to me in this story is that when they recognized that Jesus was going to continue walking, they said, no, 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 come and stay with us. Mm. Fellowship with Christians and with strong believers is a very powerful way to to deal with discouragement. Sometimes it's difficult to study the Bible for ourselves when we're feeling discouraged. Sometimes we need somebody else mm. to pray with us, to study with us, to encourage us on our journey. And, um, and I think that these are two very, very powerful points that emerge from this, from this portion of scripture. There are more, but we've run out of time. Yes, but I would just encourage anyone to, today who's experiencing discouragement in your life right now, turn to the word of God. God cares for you. God loves you. And he wants to speak words of hope and words of life into exactly. you through his word. Connect in with a church community, connect in with, with someone here on the Faith FM team and, and go on that journey together because we are, this is what can help to strengthen us through those difficult times of our lives. Very encouraging, Pastor Marty. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Unfortunately, we ran out of time. Um, let's pray that God can uh, help us apply all these principles. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for all the encouragement that you give us in your word. It's okay, it's normal to be discouraged at times. Um, the difference is how we manage it, how we respond to it. And I pray that all of us, our listeners and everybody, may be able to turn to you when we feel discouraged because you're the source of encouragement. You have the solutions that we don't have. Help us to have a different attitude, a more positive attitude of trust in you when we face uh, these sort of difficulties. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Dear listeners, this is Pastor Ricardo, and our co-host today was Pastor Marty. Thanks for joining us on Drive Time BQ&A. Please join us tomorrow as we explore the answer to the big question, the Damascus Road, is conversion an event or a process? Until then, remember that Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. God bless you.
This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.